From St. Luke's Gospel, and the crowds asked John, what then shall we do? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, maybe it's just me. Whenever I say that, you know it's not just me, right? Maybe it's just me, but you ever have somebody who wants you to do something and expects you to do something and yet doesn't actually tell you how to do it? Either it's somebody, it's somebody you worked for, a boss, or even a colleague, or maybe it's a husband or a wife or whatever, man. It can be anything. Somebody who expects something from you and yet doesn't actually tell you what it is they want you to achieve. It's actually a pretty cruel thing to do. You may not know this. I have a master's degree in industrial psychology. I studied all this stuff in grad school in North Carolina. And one of the things you have to do as a leader, as a person who wants to move people from where they are to where they need to be, is you have to tell them what to do and how to do it. I don't mean micromanage. I mean just explain to them what the outcomes are that you want them to achieve. Otherwise, guess what? They won't achieve it. One of the worst things you can do as a leader, as an influencer, right, is to tell people that you want them to achieve something and yet not be clear on what it is you want them to do. And so today, we are going to tackle that question by looking at a guy named John, the son of Zechariah, known by his stage name, his nom de plume, as John the Baptist. And, and we're going to look at this today because last week, you were, if you were here, you recall we talked about John saying, you know, repent, right? John's a one-trick pony. That's all he ever says is repent. That's his job, to call people to repentance, to be ready for Christ's return. And again, by way of reminder, if you're new to the Episcopal Church or new to Trinity Vero, uh, one of the things you need to be aware of, or else this whole Advent won't make any sense, is that Advent season, even though it is the four Sundays before Christmas, isn't about Christmas, Right? So Advent is about to expect, to yearn for, to long for something. Well, Jesus was already born 2,000 and change years ago. Why would you wait for that? Doesn't make any sense. So instead, what we do in Advent is we are getting ready and preparing for not Jesus' first coming, because that already happened, but his second one. So John is saying to us this morning, repent. Because Christ is returning. When he will return to judge all mankind, the living and the dead, the dead be raised and all that. So today, with John laying out this charge to us, repent, we say, okay, John, how? How do we get ready? That's a, if you don't know how to do it, you can't do it. So how do we get ready for Christ's return? Two things we're going to look at this morning. Uh, my first point how do we get ready for Christ's return, is we make a decision, listen, to live differently. And then secondly, we make a decision to live differently because we wait for the kingdom of God. It's hugely important. We make a decision to live differently, repent. And then secondly, we make a decision to live differently because we are waiting for the kingdom of God. So first things first. We make a decision, point one, repent, get ready. We make a decision to get ready for Jesus. Now, let me just unpack something briefly. I talked about this quite a bit last week. Uh, this word repentance, you know, maybe it's just me again, but the word repent has a lot of baggage to it. I had this image in my mind of a, a guy in a pulpit, kind of like me, maybe not in a blue dress, but a guy in a pulpit like me who says repent, and it's this sort of judgmental, critical self-righteous uh, position. But the word repent 
the Greek word is actually a pretty innocuous word. It's a Greek word, metanoia, and it means to change direction. Just remember that, because when John's call to repent is a supremely pastoral thing, think of it like this. Uh, say you're speeding down Indian River Boulevard, right? Um, or just like last week on 53rd Street, that woman that ran into, the, into uh, Grand Harbor, I was actually, I saw her do that. Um, did you read about that in the paper? Pretty crazy. Anyway, say you're, you're shooting down the road at uh, 90 miles an hour or whatever at a high rate of speed, and you see a sign that says bridge out, and you go, ah, and you keep going, right? What that bridge is actually telling you to do is, if you keep going this direction, you are going to die because the bridge is not there, so change direction, repent. So this idea of repent means that you need to change directions, change the way in which your life is going. And if you think about it, just logically, if you and I are going to become the men and women, the people that God wants us to be, then you and I have to make a decision to change, to make a concrete, deliberate, intentional decision to repent, to change direction, to return back to God's plan from once you have wandered. See, here's the thing you need to remember. Christianity is an intensely practical religion. It's a religion in an advent of introspection, right? Thinking about what you do and how you do it. But it's also, Christianity is a religion of decision and change. Christianity is practical. And the people that are around John and around the Jordan at this time, they know this. They know that real repentance means changing direction. They know they need to do it. And they hear John say repent, and they say to him, all right, dude. Well, they didn't say dude, but all right, John, what then do we do? Now, notice what he says. You know, you heard me say this before. We tend to over-spiritualize our faith. That sounds funny, but what I mean by that is that John doesn't say to them, okay, I want you to go and say 10 Hail Marys, or I want you to go and meditate, or I want you to go and even, John doesn't even say, go read the Bible. He doesn't say any of that. He says, do. John, what shall we do? Luke 10, and he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, Whoever has food is to do likewise. In other words, what John is saying, and it's incredibly practical and earthy and just real, is that if you want true repentance, you need to practice generosity. You need to practice hospitality. You need to live differently. Let me, let me bring this in. A couple of days ago, I was working out, and I had, a, I had my TV on, and I, had, and I, was, I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention but there was a YouTube channel that popped up. I couldn't tell you what it was. And it was, a, uh, it was, like, it was just clickbait, I guess, right, where they say, is America headed for a civil war? Now, I'm a, I'm a civil war fan, historian, I guess. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting tagline. So I, I did watch a bit of it. And, and the person goes on to say that America is, is headed for a civil war. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. That's not the point. The point is, they were saying that America is becoming so divided that we are at some point going to fracture. There'll be a war. They said not a war of violence, not with, you know, fixed bayonets in charge, not that kind of thing, but more a matter of that because we are so divided as a nation that a state or states will just refuse to do what the federal government says they have to do. Not unlike 1861, frankly, but, but the point is 
this person said, look, you know, it could be California or Texas or New York or Arizona or Idaho. I don't know Idaho, but it could be Idaho. I don't know. That's a joke. Uh, but the federal government will say or do something, the, the federal government or the Supreme Court, and they'll just say, we ain't doing that. And then you have a civil war, kind of, at least a fracture. The point I want you to see here is that, and then in fact, one thing I thought was fascinating, I did not know this, is they were looking at some polling data, and the commentator said, look, if you look at Ameri the American political culture in 1861 and 2021, we are more divided now than we were in 1861. Pretty fascinating. The point I want you to see here is that we are a divided country. I don't care what side of the, the uh, aisle you're on, I don't care about that part. What I do want you to understand here is that we are divided. Many of you have families or children that don't speak to you because of your political affiliations. Many of you have lost friends because of that. I've heard stories of people, in fact, I know people that don't, I don't hear from all that often anymore. It's kind of a shame. But the point I want you to see here is we have become divided as a country, and so the question hangs out there. What do we do? What then shall we do? Well, here's the answer. As we wait for Christ's return, we are to live differently. We are to practice generosity. We are to practice hospitality with those with whom we disagree. Now, you may not own a tunic. You might own a tunic. I don't know. I don't own a tunic. Of course, I am wearing one, aren't I? Come to think of it. Uh, but the point here, what John's saying is we are called to be generous hospitable with those with whom we disagree. You, look, here's the thing. You cannot control those around you. You can try and you'll fail. You cannot make other people hear you. You cannot make other people listen to your point of view. But you can hear them. You can listen to them. You can try to at least see where they're coming from, even if you don't agree with them. And that's why John says to them, again, this is, the, the issue here is not tunics. The issue here is generosity, being charitable. If you have two tunics, give to someone who has one. But even if you don't have a tunic in Florida, and who needs one in Florida? The principle stands. Practice generosity. Practice hospitality. Especially with those with whom you disagree. Listen, your families need you to do that. Your country needs you, Christians, to do that. To act like Christians, to act differently. So let me, let me just talk practical, and then I'm going to move on. I want you to do, I want you to engage in an exercise with me right now. I want you to think of someone right now with whom you disagree. And it's got to be someone in your orbit. I don't want to hear Whoopi Goldberg or Tucker Carlson, right? I, I hit both sides. Okay, I'm trying to be fair. The point is not, the point is not the the point is not the politics at hand. The point is, I want you to think of someone with whom you disagree. Someone in your life, someone in your circle, someone in your family or extended family or somebody you work with. I want you to think of that person and I want to think about how you're going to bless them. Give them a tunic, to use John's language. Treat them better than they treat you. And I want you to think of it. I want you to identify the person, think of it, and then I want you to do it. And I'm going to do this too. Because Christianity is an earthy, honest, practical religion. If you want mumbo-jumbo, if you want mantras and good meditation stuff, 
then go join a cult with Madonna, right, in Kabbalah or something. Christianity is not the place for you. Christianity is real life. We have a Savior who was born in a barn for crying out loud. We are called to live changed lives, real lives. See, getting ready for Jesus' return means that we are called to live differently, to live better. And that's not earth-shattering news to you, I hope. It should be kind of a refresher. But here's where I want to get, I want to challenge you a little further on this. As I challenge you to live differently, I want to ask you a question. Why? Why? And if I've stumped you, that's the point. I say, live differently. Why? And if you think about it, it's actually a very good question. We had a great discussion this morning in the Rector's Forum about this whole idea of Christian ethics and morality. Because if you think about it, if Jesus is coming back, right, to, to, the dead shall be raised, the evil and will be judged, shouldn't we just like hunker down, man? Bar the door, Mary, right? Shouldn't we just like close the blinds and lock the doors and sit around and pray? hunker down as we wait for Christ to return. There have been histories of Christian movements that have done this very thing. That's not what Jesus says for us to do. No, we are to live lives. Listen, well, then why do we live differently, Rodriguez? Well, here's why. We are to live lives as kingdom people, listen, as if it had already arrived. This is my second point. We are to live lives as kingdom people as if the kingdom was already here. See, Christianity, think about it. Logically, you guys know this. Christianity is not a moralistic religion. We are not an, we are not an ethically-based religion. Every other religion and worldview is, incidentally, that you are judged based upon what you do. Every, every one of them. That's not what Christianity says. Christianity says that we're all sinners. We're all fallen. Jesus saves us from that by his death on the cross. So you don't live morally or ethically to prove yourself. That goes in a bad direction anyway. Either you feel guilt or you feel, you feel judgmental. That's not an option for a Christian. You and I are called to live differently because we are called to live as kingdom people as if the kingdom were already here waiting for it to arrive. Look what John says, basic, real-world stuff. If you have two coats, give one to someone who has none. To a tax collector. No one likes a tax collector. Any tax collectors here? I hope not. Well, you know, one thing you may not know, the tax collectors, it's actually worse than you think, because the tax collectors were actually Jews. You know, at the time, the Romans were occupiers of the, Jew, were the Jews in, in Israel. And so the, the uh, tax collectors were actually Jewish men who were paid by the Romans to oppress their people. They're traitors. They're dirty dogs. No one liked a tax collector, not because you're giving them money, but because they were considered traitors to the nation. And John, doesn't, John does not say to the tax collectors, stop collecting taxes and go join a monastery. That's not what he says. He says, stop stealing and don't take more than is legal. In other words, live in the world, but not of it. Be different. Take your faith into the world, into your profession, into your families, into your households. Live it like you mean it. It gets even better. To the soldier, do you ever wonder what he says here? He says, do not extort money. Now, why would you say that to a soldier? Well, I'll tell you why. Because just like the tax collectors were the guys, they would go and knock on the door and say, uh, 
excuse me, Jacob, you owe 10 shekels. I'm not paying 10 shekels. Well, guess who comes in behind you? Bruno, the heavy. Like good fellas. Oh, I think you want to pay the tax. No. The soldiers here are, are, are the, uh, the enforcers. So with that, it's actually, this is kind of like a mob. It's like something out of Goodfellas, man. And Jesus says, no, 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 listen. If you are a soldier, do not extort people. Do not live by threats, it says here. He doesn't say don't, don't collect taxes. He doesn't say don't do your job. He says do your job differently. Live like you mean it. This is not moralism. These are otherworldly standards that we are called to live by in a fallen and broken world. We are called to live by different standards, kingdom standards, even as we wait for our king to return. You know, if you've been here for any length of time, you've know, I've said this to you before, that if people don't know you're a Christian, that's not good. It happened to me once, full disclosure, I was young, I was 25 years old, I mentioned to somebody I was going to church, and they said, oh, wow, we didn't know you were a Christian. It wasn't good. If people don't know that you're a Christian, that's not good. If people that you, at your work, or at your club, or the, you, on the board you serve on, or the people that you sat down with dinner last night, let me ask you this. Would they be surprised if they knew that you were sitting in church right now? Would they be surprised if they knew that you were a Christian? If so, that's a big old red flag. But there's still time. This is the whole point of Advent. We're called to live like we mean it. That's what Advent is all about, friends. A second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance as many chances as you need. If you are moving forward to put aside the things of this world and to live like kingdom people. So here's the thing as I wrap up, I want to just challenge you this morning. If you are feeling convicted today, good. That's the point. I am too, I'll be honest. The people that met John 2,000 years ago out around the Jordan River, they were convicted too because we all fall short, man. Every single one of us. But the thing, the, the, the thing you have to remember, thankfully, is that God does not require us to be perfect. He requires us to be vigilant. He does not require us to always get it right, but to be humble enough that when we don't get it right, we come back when we have gone astray. That we live our, our lives, our faith, really. That we strive to live like we mean it. That we live life differently to live the lives to which he has called us as we wait for his return. Friends, Jesus died on the cross for you and for me so that even if we fail, and we will, his blood covers our sin and we are made right with God through him. Amen? In the meantime, act like you mean it. Live like you believe it. Be ready for his return. Shall we pray, Jesus, you call us daily, hourly, to come back. We thank you, Lord, for John, who calls us to repent, to remind us that all of us fall short, and all of us are called to live kingdom lives as we wait for your return. Make us ready, Lord. Prepare our hearts for your return as we wait joyfully for our King. And all God's people said, Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.